Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Angelica Perez, Ph.D., who is publisher of NewLatina.net. Today we will discuss New Latinas. Angelica is a clinical psychologist by profession with 16 years of experience as a counselor and therapist, anchoring her work on women empowerment. Formerly a research assistant professor at New York University School of Medicine, Angelica is in private practice in New York. She is the first Latina iVoice on iVillage. Angelica, welcome. Thank you so much, Elena, for having me here. Such a pleasure. We are very thrilled, or I'm very thrilled, hopefully our audience will be as well, because this is a topic that is so broad and so exciting. Latinos are, as many of us know, one of the largest emerging markets in the country today, and Latinas within that market segment are a very powerful demographic. Would you tell us a little bit about what you mean when you say new Latina? Is this Latinas in general, or does this have a particular meaning? Well, actually, so first of all, I totally agree with you. Uh, Latinas, uh, the Latina market, the Latino population in this country is an emerging and very powerful uh, group of uh, uh, of women. Um, what I mean by new Latinas, I coined that phrase uh, a couple of years ago when I started noticing and, and um, becoming aware of a group of women who were bicultural, and uh, by that I mean English dominant, but very much connected to their Latino heritage and, and feeling very much uh, proud of who they were, their roots, um, and who were also between the ages of 20 perhaps and uh, 48 and who were talented and ambitious and uh, wanted to make progress. Um, so I felt that the, they were uh, emerging into new spaces, which is where the whole new Latina comes in, the term new. They were emerging into places that perhaps their grandmothers or mothers had not been in. And it's, it's a really beautiful analogy uh, in my head when I think about the fact that their mothers were pioneers. There were, you know, immigrants coming into this country and adjusting to a new way of life. And in many ways, these women are doing something very similar. They are adjusting and entering spaces, for, for example, in career, or maybe they were the first women in their family to enter college or have a master's degree or be in a position of leadership in a company um, or in a community. Um, and they were also navigating these new spaces and getting used to it. And with all of that came, obviously, wonderful opportunities, but also a lot of challenges. What number of women are we talking about? Do you have any statistics that you might share with us? Well, it's very difficult to count exactly how many women, uh, I mean, we can look at, obviously, the census data, um, but it's difficult to see, uh, to put a number into how many bicultural Latino women between the ages of, for example, 20 and 54 or 20 and 48. But um, in terms of how many Latina women in this country are there between the ages of 20 and 48, there are about between four and five million people, women, um, who are English dominant um, Latinas uh, living in this country, uh, many of them born in this country or have, were raised in this country before the age of 15. They arrived in this country before the age of 15. So we're talking about between five and six million women. That's a fairly large market segment. 
It is because it is really a sub segment. We're not counting um, the U, you know, the U.S. Uh, English dominant. Uh, uh, let me backtrack. We're not really counting in this group uh, Latina women who feel very much Americanized and 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 uh, uh, feel more affiliated or um, rec- recognize themselves as more American. We're really talking about bicultural women who who are very much. Uh, uh, bilingual and feel connected to their to their roots, um, and we're also not counting Latinas who are predominantly um, Hispanic uh, and, and Spanish dominant who really prefer, to, for example, to watch Spanish media or listen to or read the newspaper in Spanish or may have come to this country just a couple of years ago. So it is a very specific sub segment of of Latina women. Angelica, you've worked in your practice as a psychologist with many Latina women for the past 20 or so years, right? Yes. Why has this particular sub-segment been one that has caught your attention? Well, first of all, I am a bicultural Latina woman. <laughs> so um, I, I am, you know, I embody what it is to be uh, a first-generation um, Hispanic woman in this country from uh, immigrant parents who who saw her parents work extremely hard in factories and came to this country with a lot of dreams, which I feel that I um, sort of took on and wanted to expand on those dreams. Um, I understand what it feels to come from a neighborhood where everyone was Latino or there was poverty and all of a sudden, I find myself in an Ivy League school with very different people from the ones that I knew. Um, so I understand what it means to navigate um, the the uh, the bicultural existence, which which in so many ways is is a gift. I feel that I have been given because it it allows me to really understand two worlds and pick the best of each. So these women resonate with me. And when I am working with them in my private practice, I totally understand where they're coming from, the conflicted values, the conflicted dreams that they have, and how much they really want to care for their parents, but at the same time, care for themselves, how much they want to be humble, but also want to be very, um, feel competitive and assertive. Um, And these are the just the, the challenges that we face that we want to be career women, but we also want to be mothers and we want to do it all. We want to do it all, but we also feel um, perhaps guilty that we have it all. Um, so it's they resonate with me. I, I find them extremely um, uh, wonderful, smart, and talented, and, and inspiring. So it's easy for me to connect to them. <laughs> that sounded like a pleasure that you that you're taking pleasure in your work. Yes. In what way? Help us understand, if you would, in what way are these new Latinas similar to, let's just say, the overall women? If we look at the overall market, in what ways are new Latinas similar to other women? Well, for uh, one, one, one of the characteristics that I have observed is that they, um, they actually have a very high level of education. Um, many of them are college graduates. And if they're not, they're actually completing their college education. A very high number of them are also um, 
uh, have uh, higher degrees, master's degrees, for example. They're also working. Um, they are very progressive. They are financially more empowered than other subsegments of, of Latinas, uh, financially speaking. And they are really going places. Um, they, they also um, uh, consume products differently. Uh, they consume media differently than other subsegments of Latinas. And they're very socially engaged in, in social media. Um, they are constantly connected to their smartphones or um, they blog. They, um, they go online on Facebook um, m- much more than any other subsegment of Latinas and mainstream um, and the general population. So they're, they're connected to their smartphone. They're financially more empowered. They're more educated. And they also tend to uh, be married to more non-Latino men. So I think that sort of describes, in, in, a, in a nutshell, the, the, the sociodemographic profile of these women. Oh, that last one I thought was uh, salient in in perhaps many people's minds. You mentioned that many of them are married to non-Latino men. Why do you think that is? Do you have any insights on that? Absolutely. We re- we uh, Last year, we uh, did an online survey um, through New Latina. We wanted to understand uh, who these women who were going online, who were on Facebook, who were bloggers, um, who they were, what they were doing, what were their sociodemographic profile, what were their lives like? And one of the most fascinating findings we obtained from the survey, which was a very long survey, was that about 50% of them were married to a non-Latino man. And when we asked some open-ended questions about you know, this particular subject, many of them felt that they really had a very hard time finding a man, a Latino man, who um, had similar values, who, um, who was interested in the things that they were interested in uh, professionally or creatively, um, personally. Um, and they really felt um, conflicted by that because they, at the, at, you know, in one way, they wanted to, to marry someone who looked like their dad, but they also wanted to marry someone that really believed in the things they believed in and, and had the same, um, uh, I guess, values that they had. So many of them do, you know, end up marrying someone who is from another culture. What prompted you as you were in your practice, busy being a psychologist, to stray from that path into a totally new area of being a publisher and establishing a an online publication, which is newlatina.net? Would you tell us about that? Yes. Um, as I said earlier, most of my career has been focused on mentoring women from, and I will tell you from as early as 18 years old, I, I was mentoring women and helping them learn how to get into college. And I did that throughout um, my college years and graduate school. And then I eventually started doing more of that uh, mentoring and empowerment on, in my clinical practice. But what I realized two or three years ago was that there was this a wonderful opportunity online to reach many more women that I was reaching in my private practice, um, one woman at a time. So I, I just could not let go of that opportunity. I felt the need to connect to um, a group of Latina women that I felt that needed to hear some of the messages and some of the conversations that I was having with women in my private practice, in that room, in that sort of sanctuary. 
And so I was, um, I was willing to put myself out there as a therapist um, and uh, change somewhat my, my uh, angle and come in as a blogger um, and publisher to start creating um, relevant messages uh, that women, these women could relate to. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the sites out there that are uh, talking about Latina women, they talk about Latina women and they talk to Latina women from an angle that to me was not resonating uh, as a Latina woman. Um, as much as I love looking beautiful, that's not really what I'm all about. And I felt that there was a lot of, um, um, a lot of the sites that were online, and still this is the case, are so focused on, on believing that Latina women are all only interested in looking sexy and beautiful. And, um, and, and so they were, there was a, uh, a gap in, in terms of smart content uh, personal development content, um, you know, solutions. How how do you find employment? How do you um, try to convince someone to mentor you? How do you navigate corporate America? Um, you know, how how do you publish your first book? How do you deal with um, an employer who is harassing you? And there was these some more serious, boring topics that a lot of sites were not willing to really uh, talk about. And I felt that there was really a need to connect to that. Uh, to, to talk about those topics. And I also felt that I, I, um, I think that women needed to see another Latina woman online who looked like them, who had a similar story and journey, um, and who had, you know, who, who perhaps hopefully they could see as a role model. So that, that's really what prompted me to, to plunge into this very new area, which I have totally enjoyed tremendously. <laughs> I'm on your website and I'm looking at an article that you wrote about yourself and how you felt empowered as a bicultural Latina and you talk about your experience within your family. Is this something that you have seen or heard from your patients and from those contacts that you've had through newlatina.net? Um, if you're speaking about the uh, article that I wrote talking about, um, you know, growing up with an immigrant family, um, yes, I feel that um, uh, as the daughter, as the oldest daughter of an immigrant family who came here in the 1960s um, and, um, you know, with the lots of dreams, obviously, I really felt as, a, as, as early as eight or nine years old that I was a cultural broker for my parents. Um, I was, um, I would take off from school, not that I would choose to do that, but my parents would literally say, you need to take your grandmother to, to, you know, to her hospital appointment because she needs a translator. And so at a very early age, I had a lot of responsibilities um, to, to my family and which I never regretted. I felt that it was just my, my role, my task. So I was a culture broker. I was a navigator for them. I was a translator for them. So you pretty much grow very quickly, um, grow up very quickly in, in that, those kinds of um, situations. But at the same time, it is so empowering to be able to, to do something for someone else and to feel um, you know, that you're making a difference in their lives because they were sacrificing so much for us. And for me, it was not that much of a sacrifice. And I feel that, um, you know, just, just growing up with a family that was so resourceful, you know, that I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like for me to go to Russia, not knowing Russian, <laughs> how to speak Russian and, um, and be able to work in a factory and, and send your kids to school. I just can't see that happening. I mean, it's just so difficult. So I have tremendous admiration for my parents and for immigrant parents. And 
Um, I really believe that being uh, the daughter of an immigrant family has really empowered me tremendously. Um, and it allows me to give this, this, this empowerment back to other women. When you are in contact with some of these new Latinas that you've described to us, is this role that you describe that you yourself experienced when you were growing up as a cultural broker and one of the lines that that you say here is that latina women are cultural chameleons moving swiftly between intricacies between the intricacies of our american and latino cultural worlds is this something that you hear from others from other new latinas absolutely Absolutely. Um, we are chameleons. You know, we can, I mean, we have learned from very early on, um, you know, to be able to to, to sit in, in a place that feels very American um, or to study in a place that is very American um, and be okay with that and swiftly and easily go back home and have Sancocho <laughs> um, or, you know, just uh um, even when we talk about values, you know, um, we, we can easily mold into uh, understanding where our parents are coming from if they're talking about relationships and what they believe, you know, it means to what it means to be in a good relationship versus what perhaps our friends, our peers believe um, what it means to be in a relationship. So we are constantly adjusting and, and shifting cognitively speaking, emotionally speaking, socially speaking. We're constantly um, navigating these two worlds. And I feel that one of the things that we're really good at and, and, and most successful by culture women do this is that we learn to pick and choose the best of each of these worlds. And we create a new identity for ourselves. And once women can embrace that new identity that they have themselves created, not defined by the American culture and not defined by their parents, um, I think that's when we truly become empowered because it could be somewhat schizophrenic to live in these two different worlds where you're being pulled in different directions and sometimes they're so dichotomized, these two directions. So, you know, when you can actually come to a place in your life, in your personal life, when you can say, I'm writing my own rules, I'm writing my own Bible, <laughs> um, I'm going to live my life by these values. I think that's when you really reach a place of comfort personally speaking. Through the website, you conducted a qualitative and quantitative survey you were telling me earlier. I think it was called Understanding Today's Latinas. Yes. In which you heard back from almost 500 Latinas who shared their thoughts about your questionnaires. Would you tell us a little bit about the questions and the answers that you received? Of course. Um, so our goal was to really um, get in the head and the heart of these women who were online. And we did that because we really wanted to custom tailor the content that we were going to be writing about a new Latina.net to this population. And so one of the things that I was personally interested in was, you know, who were these women? How old were they? How many children they had? Were they married or not? Were they educated? But I also wanted to understand what were their personal and family and career challenges that they were facing as women today. And what were some of those goals that they had and who inspired them to be who they were? 
Um, so we were able to develop um, a very comprehensive survey, which I believe took about half an hour to fill out. And if you know anything about online surveys, um, most online surveys, especially through a monkey survey, uh, survey monkey, they're basically two minutes. Um, so I, I, I was fascinated with the response that we had because we literally had hundreds of pages of written material that these women um, openly and honestly provided us and we feel so honored by that but um, so yeah so we looked at um, their age um, you know their marital status level of education we even looked at the level of education of their own parents um, whether we're bo- they were whether they were born in this country or not um, what were some of their challenges as women we asked some open-ended questions on um, on the, what was one of the open one of the open ended questions was what are some of the challenges that you have today as a woman, and we also have asked a very interesting question: um, How are you different um, as a woman today than um, your mother's generation? And to me, that was one of the most interesting questions we got. You know, answers that we got for the open ended questions. Um, you know, where these women were really talking about how different and similar they were to their mothers. And um, I actually have an excerpt if you're interested in this, Elena. Certainly. Yeah. So this is a woman who responded to, you know, the question, how are you different than the women in your mother's generation? And she writes, I've been able to go to college, which most of the women um, in my family were not able to do. In my immediate family, I am the first to get a BA, then an MA, and finally a PhD. Unlike my mother, I prefer to live with my partner before getting married because I want to do what I could do to stay away from a sometimes emotionally abusive situation like my mother's. My overall beliefs are much more progressive or alternative than my family, particularly with regards to the role of spirituality versus organized religion, homosexuality, other belief systems, and gender roles in relationships. Like my mother, however, I was older when I got pregnant. She was 31 when she had me, and I was 38 and pregnant with my first child. So as you can see, you know, it's it's just so powerful what they share. And, you know, I can share more, but I hope this gives you a jest. Um, these women are different, you know, and at the same time, they feel connected to their mothers. That certainly seems like a very articulate person, woman, who has submitted the, the reply to your survey. One of the things that comes to my mind is, as you were reading that, and as we've been talking about this new Latina concept, is that there must be, at the same time as all of these other qualities that you described, ambition and wanting to make, to, to progress in life and emerging into new places, that there must be a powerful strain on them because they are bridging two cultures and because they are in fact going to new places or wanting to go to new places what can you tell us about that I am so happy that you asked this question Elena Um, and this is what I feel that um, this is exactly the issue and the topic that we're not talking about Um, or taking advantage of as as marketers because it is it could be you know it's a content that could be placed in in pretty much any kind of um, campaign or television show or magazine articles. It is the pain. No one is talking about the pain that it takes to be all of these things that we put ourselves or expect ourselves to be. It is emotionally draining to want to do it all. It is exhausting. A lot of these women, we asked how many hours they sleep at night. 
on average, they sleep between five and six hours. And it is because they're doing a lot. They're taking care of their parents or at least or at the very least feel responsible for their parents' well-being. They're taking care of their children. They're working. They're creating new companies. Um, they're either navigating corporate America in a very tough environment that is very demanding. They're exhausted. They're tired. Some of them are depressed. Some of them are anxious. Um, but they are functional. You know, this is so it's difficult to tap into that because they look great on resume. They look fantastic. They have a, a, a wonderful um, career and they might have a big house or they might have uh, a car, you know, that their parents never had. So they look good. But inside, at the end of the day, they're really um, drained um, and um, and sometimes out of touch with themselves emotionally. So there is a price that we are paying for this larger life that we have and all the opportunities that we've been offered that we want to take advantage of. And I think that pain is what I hope I connect, um, you know, I write about on my sites so that women feel identified with that and, and feel that they're not alone. I was just reading recently the results of a national survey that was conducted for the first time this year, I think, since 1965. And I was really stunned by the results of this survey. This is a national survey, so it's not specific to any particular group. It's okay. overall. It's youth at the age of 23 were asked how many of them had been arrested for a crime, not a traffic violation. And I was really shocked to discover that 30%, almost a third of those who responded to the survey, which is nationally representative, mm -hmm. had been arrested. And so this sparked on a topic about ethics and youth and whether people feel that the laws and the rules don't apply to them. This is a little bit outside the, the main topic of New Latinas, but as new Latinas who fall under that age group, I, I wonder sometimes, what is the new generation? What are the new women and men who are taking over from the last generations? How do they see the world? Did you gain any insights on their views in terms of ethics and what is right? And, you know, do the, do the ends justify the means sort of concepts? Um, yeah, that's a very interesting question. I, I can speak about um, some of these women that I've worked with. Um, I think that one of the values that is very strongly um, retained by these women is is the value it, are these cultural values that they're come or family values that they bring in <clears throat> that they were raised with, which is to be honorable, to be ethical, um, you know, to follow the rules. And so I think that, and again, I'm only really speaking about these women that I know, um, I really believe that they're um, on perhaps on the other extreme of what you're telling me. I feel that they are very much um, uh, goal-oriented, focused, um, very much interested in, in achieving the dream, the goal, so they will not want to deviate from, from the, the, the behaviors that they need to do or engage in to get to that place. Um, so I am not sure, to be honest, if they um, 
you know, if they would, they're hardworking, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. They, they're willing to work hard. They're willing to, they have, they have high frustration tolerance. So they're, they're interested in, in taking time to do what they have to do and not taking a shortcut. Um, at the same time, you know, this is also an issue of socioeconomic, um, um, it's an SES issue because I, I think that, you know, perhaps, you know, these kinds of behaviors are engaging in crime or uh, doing something that is illegal. It might, might, in my mind, correlate more with, um, you know, um, more poverty, uh, exposure to poverty or feeling disenfranchised or, you know, not having uh, a support or family um, to guide you. So um, I'm not sure if this is really more an issue of age or ethnicity or um, socioeconomic background, but it's um, but I can I can appreciate you know the the data that you're that you're relating to us. Um, I do know that um, I mean this is not a legal issue per se, but I, one very interesting um, data and very sad data is that uh, the younger Latinas that are growing up now, especially in urban uh, cities, have a very high uh, level of suicidal uh, attempt. Um, not suicidal success, gratefully, but um, suicidal attempt. Um, for example, in New York City, um, I believe 35% of Latina girls uh, between the ages of 13 and 19 have tried to hurt themselves or try to kill themselves. So we have a national issue um, at this time with very young Latina girls, um, adolescent girls, and their struggles, their pain that they're going through. And um, it, it's, it culminates uh, many times, unfortunately, with them trying to um, hurt themselves physically. So that I know it's happening. Maybe these arrests and these suicide attempts are correlated to this very strong pressure that they feel to achieve to go beyond where their family and their parents had gone and to be this this new frontier women that they are becoming. And on that subject, you also are in more than one respect a new frontier woman because as I mentioned earlier in the introduction you are the first Latina I voice on I village would you tell us what an I voice is and what I village is of course so um, a couple of uh, several months ago I had the pleasure of being invited to um, and the honor to of being invited to become the first Latina um, iVoice for iVillage. iVillage is a platform, is a digital platform that has amazing content and comprehensive content for women um, in, in this country and also internationally. And um, their focus is on, on um, you know, the whole woman, you know, what, what's writing content that is, that is relevant to all aspects of our lives. And uh, a couple of years ago, they came up with a program to, um, uh, titled um, iVoices, which meant that they were interested in recruiting women across the country who could um, corres- be correspondents, local correspondents, and talk about things that were happening in their very small communities or among their friends and peers. Um, and so they've had this for about two years, and uh, recently they decided to expand this and um, try to engage and, and write for Latina women. So they asked me to become a, um, a Latina iVoice. And with that, that meant that I would be interviewing or writing, um, interviewing women um, who were Latina and talking about issues that were uh, relevant to women um, 
of, of my generation and um, especially by cultural Latinas um, and uh, and also talk about uh, it, you know, whether there were serious topics or fun topics or inspirational topics. So we've had um, a couple of interesting interviews so far, um, video interviews, and they usually are about five minutes. And we've also been able to write some um, uh, fun uh, posts. We call them posts, but small, short articles on, on iVillage. And it's been uh, so much fun, to be honest. Very, very much fun. How, is, how does iVoice or, or, and iVillage relate to what you're doing in your own website, newlatina.net? Are they interconnected? Uh, they're not interconnected, but uh, I, f- I took on this um, the position because I felt that I, I really I really believe that we need to not just speak to each other. I really feel that we need to start talking more to to mainstream and and uh, to the mainstream media. Uh, for example, um, I feel that um, it, it's not only important to to write for Latinas in my in my case. I feel that we that the whole country needs to know who we are and where we're coming from and what our stories are like. So when I was asked to 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 serve as a Latina Eye Voice, I felt that it was so congruent with my mission um, for uh, for us to be known better. I mean, when we if you were to click and use the word Latina on a search Google search, um, oftentimes you see a lot of. Uh, things that you may not want your children to see, um, visuals and images that, you know, I feel that are so wrong and in terms of who we are. So I felt that it would give me, this platform would give me an opportunity to um, write articles or interview women that other um, non-Latina women could see and understand and appreciate and be inspired by. So uh, it was a, it was a way of elevating the message to bringing the message to another level or in a, a larger market. And I, I thought it was just very much um, congruent with what we want to do on New Latina. Who would you invite to visit your articles uh, on iVillage? Who would I invite to visit the articles, to read the articles? Exactly. Oh, I think everyone should read the articles because, you know, what's really beautiful about um being Latina, and, and of course I'm biased, is that we have, um, you know, as bicultural women especially, we have such resilience and we're so creative and we're constantly moving around. And I think that, you know, those personal qualities are inspirational to every woman um, and men. So, you know, if, if you want to get to know, um, read a story that is truly inspiring um or fun or interesting um some of the stories that we write about are pretty much are going to meet those those qualifications you know it's it's i mean it's just um you know just even talking about um you know raising your son to be someone who is a gentleman i mean that's one of the topics that we can you know we cover who doesn't want to raise a, a boy to become a great man, you know? And so these are, these are in many ways, there are stories, but they're very universal. And so I think they apply to anyone and anyone can be inspired by them. So I think anyone can read them, including men, <laughs> you know? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Angelica, from all of these perspectives as a publisher, as a contributor, I voice on iVillage, as a practicing clinical psychologist, 
you have some unique perspectives about new Latinas and their values and their way of looking at their lives that can be very insightful for our listeners, mm -hmm. many of whom are trying to be better at what they're doing, provide better products and services and so forth. What suggestions, what tips would you share with them as we conclude our conversation that they might be able to take back to their work, to their projects and apply? Of course, of course. Um, so I have a few tips and I think that what I'm going to say applies to a, a very broad range of situations, whether you're coming from, you know, you're working at a company or you're working at a university trying to engage Latinas. Um, the first thing I would say is that, you know, the information or the way that uh, you approach or the services that you provide to these women has to be relevant um, to her life, relevant to who she is as a woman in this stage of her life. Um, so, for example, if you're going to be writing content, the content has to uh, feel to her that it, it, it speaks to her as who she is, um, to keeping in mind her bicultural identity, her journey as a woman, and where she is now in her life. Um, so in, if you are at a, a university trying to um, recruit more Latina women, young Latina women coming into college, you also want to have pamphlet or information or workshops that are, will really include these um, bicultural messages and, and, and information and content. And if you're, for example, at a company trying to recruit women to come and work for you, again, these, uh, the, 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 whether it is the recruiter, um, for, for example, hopefully, you know, would be someone who looks like her, who understands her, um, and will be able to give her information about why this company should, ha you know, she should come to work at this company, that her needs as a bicultural woman will be met there in terms of aspirational needs and, and um, career-wise. Uh, the second uh, suggestion is that it has to come, whatever effort you do to engage these women, it has to come from an authentic place. Authenticity is really going to drive you to where you want to go. Um, you know, it's as much as we know that this is a hot market right now, it is so important that we help uh, uh, put ourselves in a situation where, you know, we really genuinely, genuinely want to be um, uh, working with these women or writing for these women. We're committed to them, uh, to their to their journey, to their uh, community. So um, I know that a lot of sites recently have you know, exploded on online and print, new print magazines, uh, speaking to and targeting Latinas. Um, but it feels that it's coming from a place of, wow, the census data is here. We really need to tap these women. And it's so important that it comes from a place that is authentic. So, for example, if your mission statement um, speaks about reaching, uh, reaching women in general, look into your mission statement, see if there's a place in your mission statement that speaks to or relates to these women and use that mission statement to come across as authentic as possible. The other last tip I, I would recommend is commitment. Um, it is so important to commit to this community if you are going to be working with them, if you are going to be selling something to them, make sure that you are committed to this community, that you really are involved in this community or have people involved in this community that will come across again as committed and authentic as possible. Um, we don't want to be 
we don't want to feel that we're being used because we're an empowered market and we're sort of the, the fastest growing market out there. We really want to have companies that have been committed to our communities, our Latino communities for a very long time. So if you come from a place of commitment, authenticity and relevance, I think you're going to be um, way ahead of other companies or or um, brands um, for sure. So in summary, I would say my three tips would be be relevant with your uh, information or, or your approach uh, to, to tapping into these, uh, this market. Uh, be authentic um, and committed to the community and the lives that these women have and their dreams and hopes. I hope that's helpful. Very much so. Thank you, Angelica, for joining us from Valley Cottage in Rockland County in New York State. Thank you, Elena. And this was such a fun and honorable experience. Thank you for having me. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Angelica Perez, PhD, who is publisher of NewLatina.net about New Latinas. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com. <laughs>